You're listening to It's All Dead, a podcast about the music we love and why we love it. I'm Kyle Hawk. Welcome to the official It's All Dead podcast. I'm Kyle Hawk, editor-in-chief at It's All Dead, and I am joined by my trusty partner in crime, Kyle Schultz. Hey, uh, hey. How's it going? Good. How are you, buddy? Not too bad. Not too bad. Um, I'm really, really happy that uh, spring is here and summer is kind of almost here. Um, it's feeling good. The sun's shining. And uh, because of that, it kind of seemed like the 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 perfect weather to talk about Paramore, um, which is what we're going to be talking about tonight, um, along with other reasons as well. But I'm, I'm kind of excited for that. But uh, so we... Um, do this website, it's all dead.com. We do this podcast and we talk about music. And I, I feel like I've, it's almost to the point of we've done a lot of these, like where we just uh, do a podcast and talk about like one band um, and kind of break down their career and talk about our favorite albums and songs of theirs. These are my favorite podcasts to do. I don't know about you. I don't know. Uh, you may hate them. And if you do, that's okay. But <laughs> do you like doing these? I've never even asked you that. I'm always just like, hey, we're going to talk about this band. <laughs> I do, as a matter of fact. <laughs> cool. Well, um, hopefully other people do too. And uh, they, they seem to because um, we seem to get really good feedback when we do these. So it's crazy to me that we haven't done a Paramore podcast. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that as we kind of get into the conversation, but um, yeah, I think it'll be an interesting one. Um, but in the spirit of a uh, warm June evening, is it warm in Chicago right now? I don't want to speak on your behalf. I uh, it's it's decent outside. It's warm in my apartment where it's a lovely eighty degrees. I assume. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> turn the air conditioner on. <laughs> no sadness forever. <laughs> Yeah, I forget that uh, in Chicago, it's like you get like one month of uh, nice weather and then just awful the rest. But, you know, you, I, I couldn't do it, I don't think. Maybe I could. I, but, you know, people that live there, I love Chicago. I just can't deal with the cold. That's what I'm saying. I've heard a joke about Chicago. and It's the same joke I've heard about Boston, which is the seasons are basically winter and July 7th. <laughs> yep. That sounds about right. Um, are you uh, having anything to uh, – are, are you enjoying a beverage during the conversation tonight? Oh, come on, son. Of course I am. <laughs> what are you having? Uh, I picked up a special drink tonight. It's from Avery Brewery in Boulder, Colorado, and it's the uh, Kaiser version of the Imperial October Lager. Wow. Man. Uh, yes, I am a fancy boy, if you will, and it is fantastic. <laughs> that is super fancy, um, and I am not surprised in the least. Um, I'm drinking a uh, something much simpler. It's the Curious Traveler Lemon Shandy, um, just because it's uh, June and nice and sunny, and so I'm having something that makes me feel like summer. So Way to stay on theme. Yeah, <laughs> I try my best. Um <laughs> And there's nothing like sipping a nice cold beer and talking about Paramore, um, I hope, because that's what we're going to do for probably the next 45 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> and so the reason we're doing this podcast, um, like I said, we've done a lot of these now, and they're always fun. It's crazy to me that we haven't done Paramore, um, because they are such a big part of the the scene of music that we cover on our website. And they're... 
probably my third favorite band um, of all time. And I love them to death. Um, I love all of their albums. This is this is going to be a really unique one for me where I don't have a lot of negative stuff to share in terms of, um, you know, when we go through and kind of rank the albums and talk about songs and stuff. It's actually like I, I love I've loved all of their music through the years. I've loved uh, every step they've taken in a new sonic direction. But they just put out a new album last month called After Laughter, which is fantastic. We'll get into that. And what I would say is probably their signature album, uh, Riot Turns 10 in a little less than two weeks. So it's a kind of a couple milestones, I guess, for Paramore. And it just seemed like the appropriate time to talk about them. And I'll share a little bit about kind of my journey with them. But um, I know that you and I kind of have different, you, you like Paramore, but you're not like me. I'm kind of fanboy to the extreme with this band. Um, (laughs) And I think that you're a little bit more casual with them. Is that right? Quite. Yeah. So talk about that. I, for me, Paramore has been one of those bands where I think you and I have the same origin story with them, which is, for me, I was walking through a Best Buy when, uh, back in the day when they had what we used to call CDs, and <laughs> I would fan through them until I found something interesting and just try it out, and I landed on Paramore because the sticker on the front of the album was from Copeland's Aaron Marsh, which gave it a glowing recommendation, Yep. and that's all I needed to listen to them. Yeah, I'm the same and, way. Uh, Yes, I picked up All We Know Is Falling, and I I like the album, but I didn't fall in love with it. And it, All We Know Is Falling, the first album, is easily the album of theirs I've listened to the least by okay. a considerable amount. Yeah. So for me, I think I've probably listened to it the most just because I've listened to probably each album equal in the span of time it's been out. So... Um, that one's just been out the longest, so I probably listened to it the most. It's it's my favorite album of theirs. Uh, as we talk about ranking them later, you'll see that I don't think it's their best album, but it is the one I hold most dear. When I listen to that album, I just feel like it's 2005 all over again. But same as you going through, saw the Aaron Marsh sticker. Hey, cool. I like Aaron Marsh. I like Copeland. I'm going to buy this album. Um, fell in love with it and kind of uh, just rolled on from there. And uh, you can hear a little bit of more about that story and uh, about my introduction to Riot. Um, if you go to our website, I just put up a 10-year reflection piece on Riot earlier today, recording this on June 1st. Um, and so I've got a lot of fun stories to share about this band tonight as we go along. But um, this is a band for me that I've gotten into more and more and more as the years have gone past. So um, I think both of us, while we have kind of our own relationship with the band, I mean, I think we definitely both would agree on their importance uh in this scene would you say yeah for sure it's uh they're probably the definitive female-led band in the genre especially coming from a time when there weren't a lot of those and Mm -hmm. not that there's a lot today but uh Haley williams really kind of struck a chord and has maintained it for such a long time she's basically been around about the same amount of time as Taylor Swift, and I would argue just as relevant, uh, just in a different genre of music. Let's let's get into that. I wanted to talk about that tonight. I didn't know uh, how to kind of segue into it, but since you brought it up, let's go into it. Because at the end of my piece on Riot today, probably the last three paragraphs, I talk about this a little bit about, um, you know, this scene has a pretty rough history <laughs> in terms of uh, women in music. 
Um, and there's a variety of reasons, and we don't have to get into that whole conversation. Just because men are awesome, <laughs> <laughs> right? Just so to bring whatever. it up and be like, hey, our scene has kind of sucked <laughs> in the past. And yeah. one of the things that has struck me, you know, it, people are, it feels like awareness is growing. People are talking about it more. Those are good first steps. There's a lot of work left to do. One of the things that sticks out to me, though, is that Haley Williams kind of came into this way before any of those conversations were happening and put up with, I would say, it's probably more shit than we could ever imagine. Um, I mean, stuff behind the scenes that we don't even know about or that haven't been said, but even the stuff that we do know about, things I remember, the way that band was viewed, how... Um, and, and that was a, something that ticked me off because I love this band so much, but you'd go online and people would talk about like, oh, this is only a band that girls should like. Um, that always irked me because <laughs> I my perspective was, I mean, they're making great music and I really love it. So I'm not going to be ashamed of, of liking uh, this this band as a male. Um, but that was a, a thing that you would hear passed around. You would go onto the message boards and people would, I guess, say really gross stuff. Uh, in terms of Haley herself as a person, there were all those like mm, Haley mm, memes, um, basically kind of uh, exploiting the fact that she was a female. Um, that felt uh, things that you wouldn't see now to that extent. I, I don't know how much of that you remember, how much of that conversation uh, you felt like you absorbed during that time, but Haley is a trailblazer in this scene and in so many ways and all the right ways, but it's almost crazy to me and thinking about how much she must've had to put up with early on in, in that band's career. Yeah. I, uh, honestly, I didn't really delve into much of that when it happened. I don't remember a lot of that. And, uh, I kind of makes me feel guilty now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Like I, I don't remember that. I, what I remember of it is they're, Breakout came out during my freshman year of college, and that was my biggest issue with them was that I really liked the album, but it was completely overshadowed by uh, the Academy is and Panic at the Disco, which both came out right around the same time. Hmm. And I just, I listened to those two albums so much that I almost didn't have time to go back and really delve into Paramore at the time. And another thing that really led to that was, uh, the only negative thing I remember hearing was that Paramore was kind of a cheap ripoff of Avril Lavigne. And I don't know mm. if that was something my friend said or if I read it somewhere, but uh, so like it, it was something for me at the time I compared her to Avril Lavigne a lot. And I don't know why, because I never really liked Avril Lavigne. Uh, I also got into Paramore right around the same time as Rilo Kylie, which those two bands have a weird like symbiosis in my mind. And I don't know if it's because they're both led by females or if it's just, I got into them at the same time. Right. Yeah. I mean, no, I, I, I do think I, I remember some of the, some of those comparisons going around as well. It's just like, but those that's the, that was kind of part of the problem is, you know, people can only make those kinds of comparisons instead of thinking about it a little bit deeper, especially back then. It was just such a, a thing. It was so hard for people to, uh, look past it and see it as anything other than, oh, this is a band with a female as the singer. Um, and it's amazing to see how much they've kind of risen above that. Um, and I, again, I'm not denying that there's still uh, problems and there's still a lot more forward movement to happen, but Haley is truly a, a, a shining example of how to um, kind of just be so talented uh, and so poised that she was able to 
not only weather that, but kind of shut a lot of it up, which is kind of cool. So yeah, it's uh it's one of those things where it honestly shocks me how long it took me to realize uh how long and how many people were kind of passing them off as a gimmick band because it had a girl singer. And uh, I don't know if that's just something that I didn't see until I finally saw it. And it's like, wait, what is this? Or if I just didn't, you know, think about it at the time. But uh, that is one of the most thing I've, or the thing I've heard the most, I should say, is that, you know, it's it's just a gimmick. They've got a female singer. ah, And that never even occurred to me when I first listened to it. Yeah. You know, to talk quickly about the comparisons, like you were talking about Panic the Disco and uh, Academy is, and, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about kind of the Fueled by Ramen explosion during this conversation, but um, I was kind of with you on that to an extent. I think I probably was listening to All We Know is Falling more, but um, it's almost a hard comparison because at that time it was almost as though, I wouldn't say Paramore had hit their stride yet. I mean, All We Know is Falling, I think is a great album, but uh, talking about like Almost Here by the Academy is or A Few You Can't Sweat Out by Panic. Those were bands that kind of were already a step ahead in a sense of like kind of knowing what their sound was and what they were doing. Um, no. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, what I had to say about that is uh, for what it's worth, the Academy is in Panic the Disco, depending on who you talk to, they put out their seminal album at that period. Right. And Paramore... All we know is falling is more for me. It's more or less, you know, it's a test debut album. The, their uh, follow up riot is what most people would consider the definitive one. Um, but it, for the most part, it just, it wasn't quite at that level yet. And it was just, it was something that got their name around, but it hadn't defined them as a band yet. Yeah, no, I agree completely. And so why don't we go ahead and jump into this and talk about the albums? Um, so what we normally do at this portion of the, these podcasts is rank the albums um, of the band in question. And in doing so, we're not sliding one or the other. I, I, I always struggle with this of like, you know, like I said, all we know is Falling is my favorite Paramore album, but I wouldn't necessarily consider it their best. So I'm going to try to do my, my best here to sort of, uh, I don't know, feel that out. So, um, who should go first? I feel like, uh, who usually uh, goes first? I think we usually fight to the death for it. Oh, that's true. <laughs> uh, I'll go first. Cause I have probably the least to say about it and the least convincing answers. <laughs> All right, go for it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like you and you and I spoke earlier that, uh, for me, Paramore is kind of a casual listen. It's one, they're a band that, when a new album comes out, I obsess over it for about a week, and then I just kind of shelve it, and I don't listen to it again for a very long time. And then when I do, I just say to myself, like, why don't I listen to this constantly? And But I never do. And instead, I, just didn't, I uh, tend to cherry-pick songs that I listen to throughout the uh, discography. So for me, uh, coming in at number five, which is their least great would be uh all we know is falling and it's just it's the album i've listened to the least i don't have anything against it it's just when i listen to it again it i can hear the amateur sound to it it's not quite at the polish that i expect from paramore and it kind of gets me because it reminds me of what evanescence would sound like if they were had done punk instead of goth metal huh interesting <laughs> but uh i i do have an obsession with brighter i love that song yeah it's a great one Coming at number four, I would say the self-titled Paramore album. Um, when it first came out, I 
didn't enjoy it. I remember. I, <laughs> <laughs> I it wasn't that I hated it. It's just it wasn't what I really wanted from the band. It it's just uh, it took a long time to grow on me. And now looking back on it, I'm really happy that it's their self-titled. It's just it's the definitive form of them. It's they pushed themselves. They'd gone to the brink and came back completely different and just as strong as they'd ever been. And it's uh, the, the most demanding form of them because it's so different. It really demands that you listen to them and take in everything. It's not a, a scene album. It's not a genre album. It's just, right. it's going to catch you. And when it does, it doesn't let go of it. Uh, like I remember putting a, and listening to it for the first time and the song fast in my car, it came so out of left field it basically just knocked me down and I didn't know what to do for the rest of the album. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like I couldn't even believe it was the same band. And it's kind of crazy looking back on it and thinking that ain't it fun might be the definitive Paramore song now. Like that's, that's their single that everybody knows. And uh, I think it's the song I may have heard the most out of any other type of music I can even think of over the last few years. Uh, the one song that really stood out to me was Ankle Biters. Mm. And I don't really know why. I think it's just because it's the most traditional one on the album. It's just, I love the energy of it and how the pace of it differs from everything else on there. Um, coming in for number three for me would actually be Riot. And I it's an immediate step forward from uh, All We Know Is Falling. And it's one of the most cohesive albums they put out it's very rich it created an identity for the band and uh it's the one that really caught me and really pulled me into them and i listened to this album a lot and i knew that riot was the album that really caught fire and it brought people into it because i had friends in college who didn't listen to punk rock at all and i remember specific times where they asked me if i knew who Haley williams was and then i'd be like a paramore and like yeah paramore they're great and it, it caught me so off guard, I couldn't believe that they'd heard of that, but not Panic at the Disco or <laughs> Green Day. Yeah. Uh, and I love Riot, but it sounds a bit dated to me. Uh, specifically, Hallelujah. It's very, the guitar riffs are very 2007. It's a, it's a good album, but it just sounds like it's stuck in a time period for me. And it's hard to kind of pull it out of that. Like, I, I still listen to a lot of the music on it, but... It's not quite, it doesn't hold up as well as I think a lot of people think it does. Interesting. Um, but there's still a lot of songs, especially a lot of uh, specific songs that I just fucking love. Uh, it, you can't say that you don't like Misery Business. It's a fantastic single, and I love it because it's so petty and it's so vindictive, <laughs> and it just relishes in the concept of short, uh, Schadenfreude. Is that how it's pronounced? Uh, sure. Yeah, we're German. And, uh, <laughs> like, I've spent the last 10 years wondering who it was Haley had in mind when she came up with just the shit talking in that song. <laughs> and, uh, what I think is interesting about it is, this, especially like the song Crush, 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 because it sounds like a precursor to, uh, the self titled album. It's just, it's as atmospheric, it's raging. And it has the personality that would carry through even after uh, the leading songwriters left the band. Um, coming in at number two is Brand New Eyes. And this was the first Paramore album I actually waited for, and I couldn't wait to listen to. Oh, nice. I, uh, 
I heard Ignorance and as the first single, and I loved it. And I know Riot is the album everyone knows, but for me, Brand New Eyes is technically the better album. And I don't have a lot of reasons for it. It's just I love it for some reason. It's just, especially at the time, it sounded uh, more well-written. It sounded more mature. It Like the songs were better. They were more technical, but it hadn't lost the charm of it. And it, it kind of reminded me of uh, like if Rilo Kylie had written a punk album designed to burn down the world. <laughs> and there's an edge to it that I really respect. And uh, it has my two favorite Paramore songs, which are Playing God and Brick by Boring Brick. Ooh. They're amazing. And they're my favorite Paramore songs by a long shot. Um, one of the things that really caught me off with this album, and it's really more in retrospect than than it was at the time is the song where the lines overlap and it's a chilling premonition for me because around the time of this album it came out that Haley and zach had been dating and i remember going josh. back and listening to the uh, or josh you uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a pharaoh who cares and uh, i remember hearing about that and going back and listening to the older albums and trying to pick up new nuances that i'd never noticed before and at the time, this was the sweetest and most romantic song I'd ever heard. And uh, I just thought about them singing on stage to each other and how wonderful that would be. And then after the drama that came out pretty much over the last decade with everything that happened, uh, listening to it now, it's haunting. And I know it's unintentional, but it, there's a whole other like sub-layer to it that makes it a chilling love song, which uh, I've fallen in love with, and I don't know if anyone else has that, but it's uh, it's something that really catches me every time I hear it. Okay. And then I think my favorite one at the moment is After Laughter. Uh, I could probably be talked out of this with a certain amount of uh, you know argument, but I don't remember the last time I'd listened to an entire Paramore album all the way through multiple times for a week on end. Um, it's not a departure from the self-titled, but it really doubles down on just the fun, quirky aspect of it. And it did something that I thought was impossible, which has got me to fall in love with a sound that is distinctly from the 80s. Mm -hmm. uh, I hate 80s music for the most part, and I <laughs> fucking love this album. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, it's uh, I, I can't even defend that argument, <laughs> and uh, it not to borrow from like the Pineapple Express, but it sounds like something if Blondie and the White Stripes had a baby, this would be the baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's fun. I love it, and there's a darkness to it which haunts the almost the entire record, where it's these amazing pop songs and these rhythms and vibes that just. They exude energy and happiness, and underneath it is just this dreary subtext of uh, examining the last few years and all the trouble that came with it and trying to rise above it. And weirdly enough, the song that stuck out to me the most is 26, which I fell in love with the most. And it sounds like a letter from Haley to her younger self, kind of preparing her for everything that was coming up and... You know, it's poignant, it's intimate, it's insanely powerful, and it's something she's trying to tell herself on accepting the sacrifices and the pain just to make your dreams come true. And uh, I, I thought it was especially poignant because I thought that was her age, and then I looked it up, and now I just feel stupid. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I definitely think there's something there to what you're saying, for sure. So yeah, 
I'm right on the edge. I, I can't leap. But uh, anyway, so that's that's my uh, that's my little ditty. Cool. I like it. And I'm still surprised that you liked After Laughter as much as you did. I just I thought you weren't going to like it. And so the fact that you've enjoyed it this much is just awesome. Um, I am surprised. I think the thing that surprised me the most is that when I listen to Riot, I hear an album that was like custom made for you. Like, and what I think about, you know, when I think about your music tastes and the, and the kind of stuff you like to me, Riot embodies all of that. And yet, um, you're not as fond of it. So that's really intriguing. Um, but, uh, that's cool. Um, (laughs) so I, I do, I do love Riot. It's the one I've listened to the most, but in retrospect, it, it almost feels like, uh, like you said, it was custom made, but it feels like it's a product of the time. And I really appreciate the way the band has kind of evolved since then. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. Well, um, I'll go ahead and uh, rip through mind here. And it, I kind of knew, but I was still surprised when I put it all down. Um, Cause I definitely wouldn't have said this, you know, in 2010, 11, uh, but number five, and let me be clear. I enjoy all of these albums. Like I literally love every single one of these albums and enjoy putting any of them on at any time. So sometimes we do this and bands have albums that I don't really care for as much. That's not the case with this. Um, and this is actually the first one of these we've ever done where I like every single album. So um, just to <laughs> preface with that. That being said, number five for me is Brand New Eyes. And here are the reasons. One, um, in hindsight to me, it's almost like a diet version of Riot. Um, and I know that they do things on Brain New Eyes they didn't do on Riot, but just all in all, there's filler there to me. Like the back half of the album, there's there's several songs that I just skip for the most part that I'm not really uh, as interested in. Um, and it's the only album I feel that way, that there's actually filler. And the other thing is that it's just it's just hard for me at times listening to it given the band's history. So um, something that I don't, I'm not sure that, you know, given uh, what you were, when you were talking about the album, most of it is written like about Josh, like toward him, like not in a a loving way, but in a pretty negative way. Um, So they, on the tail end of touring for riot, they almost broke up um, and they had a lot of, inner band struggle at that point and brand new eyes was kind of written as a way for Haley to vent her frustrations uh, with some of the rest of the band, uh, namely Josh and listening to it now, it's almost hard. Uh, Some of those songs are hard for me to listen to. Um, Not that I, you know, side with one person or another and want to, or want to discount anybody's feelings, but it is a pretty harsh, some of it's pretty uh, sharp. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But that being said, there are a lot of really great songs here. Um, and, and I'll get into that once we do our, our top 10 songs. But um, of, of all the albums, it's, it's the one I would rank um, at the bottom. Number four is All We Know Is Falling, which I already have said a couple of times. It's my favorite. Um, I, I don't think it's their best, but I do think it's great. Um, this one is a time capsule of 2005 for me when I listen to it. It's like so raw. When you think about the fact they're like 15, 16 years old recording this, it's just crazy. Um, and that's another thing that they had on the on, on some of the other bands coming out at the time. I mean, they they were there was a lot of young bands. I mean, Band of the Disco definitely were were young when they put out Fever, but 
Paramore, they were really, really young. And you listen to All We Know Is Falling, it's just incredible that they wrote all this. Um, and yeah, it's it's very youthful. Um, and they definitely grew a lot as songwriters. But there's so much heart in it that I just it just means the world to me. And uh, it's just such a fun listen. Number three, I went with Riot. Um, if uh, So in the reflection piece I did, I talked about hearing Misery Business for the first time. And I remember the day the song came out. I think I saw the news post on Absolute Punk. I was so excited to, uh, to listen to the song. And I remember it, it was like premiering on their Pure Volume page, um, which I know we've talked about Pure Volume a few times. It's kind of funny to think back to hearing music there. But I remember listening to Misery Business and I remember saying aloud, sitting in my apartment, Paramore is about to be the biggest band on the planet. There was just something about hearing Misery Business. It was such a step up from anything they'd done on All We Know Is Falling. It was just the most unbelievable sonic step forward that I was just aghast. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And of course, that song went on to be huge. The album was a huge hit, uh, eventually went double platinum and uh, definitely changed uh, the you know, we're having this conversation now pretty much because all that happened. So um, it was really cool to watch in the moment. Um, and it's still an album that I, I enjoy going back and listen to. And I do agree. It, it does sound like 2007, but to me, it's like the definitive 2007 album, which is why I love it so much. I mean, there's things that sound like 2007 to me that I don't really care for. Riot sounds like the best version of 2007. Um, and yeah, I really like it. Uh <laughs> Number two is Paramore, and uh, I never really thought that they would be able to top this. Um, again, a huge step forward from Brand New Eyes. There's so much diversity here. It's hard to it's hard to pin it down to one genre. Like there's so much, there's a lot of pop influence more than they'd ever had before. But there's also a lot of heavier rock tracks on it as well. I mean, it's like almost every track is a little bit different, but somehow it still feels cohesive, which is. Uh, pretty incredible. And when you consider they lost their main songwriter, uh, Josh Farrow, before they recorded this and Taylor York took over uh, on the songwriting duties, it's amazing that they put out such an incredible piece of work. Um, so I love a lot of different songs of this album, all in different ways. Um, and it, it kind of it's one that I I can listen to in full, but I do like to cherry pick based on my mood, not because I like songs, some songs more than others, but it's it's kind of fun no matter how you listen to it. And then number one for me is After Laughter. Um, again, we're so close to it. It's almost hard to talk about this, you know, less than a month into it. But I know that I love it. Uh, for me, the the sound that they are doing on this album is exactly the sound that I'm into right now. I mean, everything from uh, the 1975 to Haim to Carly Rae Jepsen. I mean, that's, um, that's a sound that is very appealing to me. And they did it so well. Um, but what I pointed out most when I reviewed the album is its juxtaposition of the music and the theme. And you touched on this a little bit, kind of the themes of depression um, and not in a way of like, hey, this is going to be all right. It's kind of like it's it's a depressing album thematically um, because it's kind of admitting like, I don't know when this is going to get better. And I kind of don't want you to ask me about it when it's going to get better. Just let me let me feel this way, um, which is somebody as somebody who struggles with depression, I identify with that to an extreme degree. Um, and so there's a lot of songs in this album that hit me very hard, um, but it's all beautifully composed and beautifully done. So what's cool about this is like all these albums are so different. 
Um, I think Riot and Brand New Eyes are the two closest to me, but by and large, I mean, they've just covered so much sonic ground, and it's impressive because most bands can't do that as well as Paramore has done it. I don't know if you would agree with that, but I mean, we've seen a lot of bands from the scene try different things to varying degrees of success, whereas Paramore has been successful, like no matter what they've tried. Yeah, I would agree with that. There's, uh, you know, uh, the Academy has tried to do something for their different for their second album and it more or less destroyed them. They never really recovered from it. And uh, even Panic at the Disco, it took, you know, the main songwriter and half the band leaving before they really kind of uh, got their footing back. Yeah. And it's a, it's really tough for a band to change their sound once, much less, much less every single album they put out. Yeah. And so we both kind of mentioned how Riot feels like the signature Paramore album. I think when people think of them, that's one of the, that's the first album that comes to mind. And it, you know, it has Misery Business, which is kind of their first big single. The marketing of it was so unique with all, it was so colorful and the album cover is so striking and the, the orange thing that they did. There's so much about that time and what happened with that album that kind of makes it what I consider their signature album. But Mm -hmm. I don't know if I can name another band currently making music that put out their signature album a decade ago, but is making better music now. And I I think Paramore is doing that. Yeah, I can't really come up with anything. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's incredible that they've been able to do that. So uh, props to them. So something else that we do with this is we kind of go through our top 10 songs and I want to rip through mine real quick and then give you the floor. And uh, what I'll say is this, I always struggle. And I think every time we do this, I'm like, oh man, I couldn't figure out which ones to put in the top 10. This one was the hardest for me of any of them so far, because I love almost every Paramore song. This is a band that I know the lyrics to every single song at the back of my hand. Like there's not a song of theirs that I haven't heard um, and haven't played multiple times over. Like I listen to Paramore a lot um, and I enjoy so many of their songs. So narrowing it down to 10 almost feels kind of gross, but I did it and I'm not doing any caveats, no honorable mentions. I'm just going to dive into the 10. Um, and at number 10, it felt fine to do this to me, but I put Ain't It Fun. And the reason I did is because, you know, it's a great song and I really enjoy it. But when Paramore came out, uh, their self-titled came out, I had just gotten back from my honeymoon and was back at work and I put the album on and was listening through to it. And I, at the time now, which is track two on that album was released as the lead single. So, and at the time I actually wasn't that crazy about now and still it's not one of my favorite tracks, but I I remember feeling like, boy, this is an interesting choice. So I'm listening through the album and I get to ain't it fun halfway through the song i'm thinking what on earth were they thinking why was this not the lead single this is the best thing this is the best song this band's ever written i just couldn't in my mind i couldn't process how that wasn't the lead single and i'm thinking what is are people talking about this this song is incredible this would be a hit and props to the band who knew exactly what they were doing and i'm, I'm sure the people at their label uh knew what they were doing i mean the, the album debuted at number one i think on the charts and they were keeping that in the, their back pocket because they, they released as a single like a year later and it gave the album a completely new life. Uh, the song ended up being become one of the, the songs of the summer uh, that year, arguably in 2014 and into 2015 as well. Um, but it's just a fantastic song. And I think it's kind of the gateway drug into what they did with After Laughter as well. Uh, number nine is When It Rains. Um, I just love it. It's kind of one of the softer Paramore songs. And it was the first song on Riot when I was li- listening 
uh, through to it the, for the first time. It was the first song that kind of caught my attention um, as something like, wow, this band has some range. And uh, yeah, it's a great song. I still love putting it on. Number eight is My Heart. It's the final track on All We Know Is Falling, and I get choked up every single time I listen to it. I know there's nothing, you know, it's a song that you would write as a teenager. So maybe as a, an adult, I shouldn't still be hit by it as hard, but I, I remember what it meant to me um, when I first heard it, and it still means a lot to me now. And it just, it's so, it's it's a very innocent um it's very innocent and and you can hear that. And I think that's, that's really cool. It still holds up really well. Number seven is careful. Um, it's my favorite song from brand new eyes. It's the only song from that album on this list. That song kicks ass. Like I, I wish there was more of that kind of bite, um, in that way on brand new eyes. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, lyrics on that song that hit me really hard too. I've actually got a t-shirt that has the, the truth never set me free on it in big letters. Um, it's a it's a really great song and very well written um, on Haley's part. Number six is part two, and I remember being blown away when I heard this for the first time because it's um, obviously a sequel um, to a song from Riot, which is called "Let the Flames Begin," and it takes a lot of the components of that song. It's almost like, hey, here's how I feel about this same thing six years later. And it's, again, the lyrics are just so powerful, um, kind of talking about a hope that used to be this like blazing light inside you. And now she says it's just a tiny spark and just you feel her life experience and her growing older in that song and kind of going through life and, and going through the hard stuff. And I remember feeling the same way as I heard it and feeling like, man, I, I feel this way compared to six years ago, me as well. Um, so it's a song I definitely connected with and it's a very heavy, um, kind of, I don't know what you would I'm trying to think of the right genre of music to call it. I mean, it's a rock song for sure, but it's, there's a lot going on there. Uh, number five is all we know, which is the opening track from all we know is falling. It's a very special to me. It's the first song I ever heard of theirs. And I love the chorus. Um, every time I put, put it on, I put that album on that song comes on and just takes me back to 2005 again. And it just feels really good. And it's a very nostalgic song for me. Number four is Monster, which was not on an album. Uh, it was released as a uh, song for one of the Transformers movies. It was like the their <laughs> main single they used for that, which is really weird. Um, but it's a testament to the band's songwriting abilities. It's the first song that came out after Josh and Zach left the band, and it's very clearly about their departure. Um, and especially the line that hits the hardest at the end of the chorus, which is, now that you're gone, the world is ours. Um, it's, it's pretty painful <laughs> in that sense, but it's, what's amazing about it is not only is it kind of this song and defiance of like, we're going to make it without you, but it also fits really well as a movie soundtrack song. Like it can go either way. It's kind of incredible that they pulled that off, but, um, I don't know if most people would like that song. I don't really hear people ever talk about it much. And I know it's not like maybe the best song they've ever written, but I really enjoy it a lot. Uh, number three is Rose Colored Boy from uh, After Laughter. So the, the hard thing about making this list is like our songs that I like right now from After Laughter are going to have the legs to still be on a list like this years later. Um, I feel like Rose Colored Boy will. It's it's the poppiest song on After Laughter. Um, I think it's going to be a hit. I, I feel like they're going to release it as a single maybe this summer and I could see it doing really well. Um, but it's another one of those ones, like the music is so fun and summery, but the lyrics are very dark. Um, it's kind of, 
the concept of struggling with depression and people kind constantly wanting to cheer you up or, Oh, Hey, just think positive. Um, and you can't sometimes, and it just sucks. <laughs> and I really relate to that. So, um, it's a really great song. Number two is decode. Uh, another song that wasn't on an album. It was the kind of the lead single for the twilight soundtrack. Um, I really enjoy it. I was, so this is a, I'm not going to get too far off the topic on here, but I was really into Twilight back in like 2008. Like I had picked up the books and was reading them, had no idea that like who the target demographic was until I went to the opening guide <laughs> of the movie and realized like, oh no, this wasn't for me. Um, but oh well, I'm not going to be ashamed uh, too much. But yeah, I really like Twilight. And so when this song came out, it was awesome because I was like, oh man, this song's about Twilight. Uh, what a good egg you are. Yeah, I know, right? Um, but it's a great song. It's a really good song. Uh, it's kind of the best of that era of Paramore for me. Um, the the Pharaoh, the Josh's lead songwriter era. And it's got a killer chorus. And it's just an all-around great song. And number one is a song that I never hear people talk about. It drives me crazy. When they went on tour uh, for Riot, it was the only song from Riot that they didn't play on tour. And I never understood that. Miracle. Um, it's my favorite Paramore song, and it's one of my favorite songs of all time, period. It's like the perfect song. I mean, song structure, melody, it's just incredible. It's got one of the best bridges you'll ever hear in a song. I mean, it's it's kind of like the perfect 2007 pop punk song. And I, I can't really think of a band that's matched that as well as what they did with Miracle. And I, I don't know if you even have thoughts on this song, but it's crazy to me because I never hear people talk about it. I never hear Paramore fans talking about it as being one of their favorite songs. I don't know if there's something wrong with me, but from the moment <laughs> I heard it until now, it is absolutely my favorite Paramore song. So there you go. That's my list. Well played. Uh, we, we're going to have a couple overlapping things. Um, I, I don't have a particular order except for the first two, and I don't okay. have a particular uh, reasoning for any of them except for maybe the first two. And a lot of this is just for the fact I haven't listened to Paramore for quite a while until right around the time after Laughter came out. And a lot of this is just coming off of memory. So shame on you. I'll just, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to ruin anyone's <laughs> evening. <laughs> uh, I'll just run down the list. Uh, no particular order except for, you know, my, my top. Uh, I've got Ain't It Fun. It's just, it. that's also the first song off of Paramore that really struck me where I was like, wow, this is going to be a single. And it's the first one that captivated me. Yeah. And like I said before, I've heard it nonstop for what, four five years now. Yeah. It, like it's still a lead single and it's crazy how uh, big it got. Um, next would be careful off of uh, brand new wise it's just coming off the high that was Riot. I remember hearing that song as the first song I'd heard off of uh, Brand New Eyes. And it was that moment where I just went, oh, they've still got it. They haven't lost a spark and they've uh, really tempered it into something new. Yeah. And it caught me off guard, but I loved it. It's just I knew they hadn't changed their sound, but they just delved deeper into it. Um, next is Ankle Biters off of the Paramore album. And like I said before, I don't have a real reason why I love it. It's just, it's so damn catchy and it's unlike anything else on Paramore. It's more of a throwback to their earlier sound where it's just, it's a pop song. It's yeah. fast. It's quick. The pace of it is, uh, unmatched on Paramore. Yeah. 
and it's just it's something that i don't hear a lot of people talk about often but it's just it's a fun song <laughs> definitely uh next is misery business and it's hard to have a list of the best paramore songs without that on it it's just it's possibly the definitive paramore song it's just yeah it's a single it's so catchy it's uh simple without being easy it's just it's at that perfect level where it's not too complicated it's not too simple it's just it's in that right mixture where it's just it's a fun song and like i said before it's so petty and uh aggressive <laughs> it's so fun to listen to and just i have to wonder who she was writing that about and just how angry she was going into it and uh you know, it's a teenage song, but it's just, it's great. Uh, next up is, for a pessimist, I'm pretty optimistic off of Riot. And that's the first song I heard off of Riot. Uh, it, I'm just going to be upfront with this. I don't listen to singles too often before the album comes out. I just go through it all at once. Yep. Um, and that was the first time where I heard that. And I was like, wow, they got a lot more aggressive with this. And uh I just remember enjoying the how technical the guitar work was and just how much more depth there seemed to be to the song than there was for all of uh, the original album. Yeah, and a great opening line, just real quick, the just talk yourself up and tear yourself down. It's such a great opening to an album. Yeah, and it really sets up kind of the teen angst behind the album as well. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I, Next up is Hard Times from After Laughter. Uh, I did listen to this before the album came out, and I can't believe that I fell in love with a song that has an 80s aesthetic to it. <laughs> it it's such a fun song, and it's been stuck in my head for a month. I can't get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> uh, next is 26 off of After Laughter. And like I said before, it's uh, it's an acoustic song. It's fantastic. It's the only one that doesn't delve into, you know, the 80s genre, really. But it's a uh, letter from Haley to herself, at least as far as I can tell. And it's just the depth to it and the way it's just kind of hoping against hope for someone to prepare for the worst as they get ready to follow their dreams. It's just, it, it's, uh, it's a captivating song. And yeah. it sounds like anything that the most prolific songwriters write today. Uh, next is a song that wasn't on a Paramore album. Haha, -ha, got you there. Uh -huh. It's actually off of the Jennifer's Body soundtrack. It's uh, called Teenagers. And it's an acoustic song under the name Haley Williams, but I count it as a Paramore song because it's <laughs> essentially is. And it's just, it's an acoustic song that's really aggressive with uh, drums and bass. And it's just, I don't remember all the lyrics to it anymore, but I've listened to the song way more than is acceptable. It's just, it's a fun song on an album for a terrible movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, coming in at number two, I've got numbers now is playing God. And uh, it's one of my favorite songs off of brand new wise. I, it's not an aggressive song, but the lyrics for it are just, they're dark. It's uh, attacking someone who has a lot of faith and just kind of going after them for being so self-righteous and not seeing the bigger picture of it. And 
that's not particularly the reason why I like it, but it's just I love how dark the album or the song is compared to uh, how non-aggressive the music is. And it's something that really took a left turn compared to everything Paramore had written before this in terms of lyricism. Yeah. And coming in at number one is Brick by Boring Brick. It's my favorite Paramore song. It's, uh, I, I don't really have reasons. It's just, I love how aggressive it is. I love the drumming when it first starts. Uh, in between the choruses, just that, where it just goes in. It's just, it's a fun fucking song. And for me, it's their definitive song. It's just, the lyricism can be dark. It can be uh, aggressive and pointing out the self-righteousness in someone else. But it has a fairy tale like quality to it. It doesn't take itself seriously, and it encourages you to just sing along to every word you possibly can. Yeah, you built up a world of magic because your real world is tragic, Kyle. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a great list, and and thank you for doing that, putting that all together. Um, yeah, it's it's always cool to hear kind of different perspectives as we go through all this. And uh, I, I, I always enjoy hearing where where our lists overlap and, and where we differ. So it's kind of fun. Um, we've already gone pretty long on this, but I, I feel like we have to do the, uh, just as we kind of figure out a closing spot for this conversation, we, we've got to talk about this band's legacy. Um, you know, it's people in the scene still follow Paramore, but this it's this band is not a part of this scene anymore. Um, and they haven't been for a while. I mean, they've, they have truly risen above this to the point where they're not really associated kind of with their pop punk or emo roots. I mean, they're considered a, a, a pop act um, and by, you know, mainstream music critics um, and just by the general public, uh, I believe which is incredible um, because even when you go back to Riot and how successful that was, you still didn't get the feel that they were going to get to that point, that they were going to do the full crossover. And I'm still at times not even sure that fallout boy has, you know, um, yeah. I still think people associate them with their roots. Whereas Paramore just doesn't feel that way at this point. It feels like they've risen so far above that, that they are just kind of an entity all their own. Do you get that feeling? Yeah, for sure. It's just uh it's one of those weird things where they came up and, you know, like you were saying, they're kind of almost considered a joke act when they first appeared and just each release they've put out, it seems like it's taken them to the next level, uh, maybe in small steps and then the larger ones, but it, they're a constant act of reinvention. And yeah. it, it's just, it's weird to see a band that starts off with such amateurish sounding songwriting and it ends up as something that not only goes beyond where the scene is but it's carving a new path based out of just kind of um the euphoria from various genres and various eras yeah no question and you know something that's so incredible about this is let's be clear Haley Williams could be a successful solo artist if she wants, and there's still time. I mean, I'm not ruling out that that might happen at some point. Um, and if it does, I will uh, cheer her on um, with just as much vigor as I cheer on Paramore. 
And so I was listening to, you know, before they released the album after laughter, they had the interview with Zane Lowe on beats one radio. And, uh, they were kind of talking about that. Cause I mean, they went through another dust up, uh, just in the past few years, another big falling out with a, a former band member and, and more strife and Taylor York, I guess, in a conversation basically been telling, telling Haley, like, you know, Hey, if you want to keep doing this cool, if you don't, that's okay too. Like I, I understand either way, the fact that Haley, no matter what this band has gone through, that she's come back to this and Paramore has continued on. I mean, you know, think about how often bands break up and go through stuff. Like the fact that Paramore, like still exists and that's a thing is it's almost unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, it's for one, it's unbelievable the amount of stuff they've had to go through, like as far as band members and terrible stuff with falling outs. But the fact that they're still together is even it's, I mean, it's almost preposterous that it's lasted this long and that it's still so good, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, it's, it's one of those things where, I just I, I respect the the hell out of this band and um, you know who knows maybe after laughter is the last album we get um, but um, hopefully not and whatever happens in the future I'm excited to see what it is um, really quick to wrap up you know ten years from now we look back on this how do you feel we talked about Paramore's kind of risen above the scene but when in ten years we look back if there even is still a scene and and what we call that today I'm sure there'll be something. How will Paramore's legacy be remembered and how will they have impacted uh, what's happening? Uh, you know, first and foremost, and it's the most obvious one, I think Haley Williams is a uh, pioneer in the form of, you know, female singers for uh, the punk scene. She's kind of on the same level as Joan Jett as just uh, one of the singers you don't hear very often, but when they're there, they really carve their own way through uh the music because there's just not that many female singers for whatever reason. And on top of that, not only did she go from, you know, basic pop punk, but they're exploring new genres and it really proves that you don't have to be stuck uh, in the same era that you were when you were 17, you can discover and explore and be just as as successful no matter uh, where your taste may be. And, that you know you can't be afraid to really try something new even at the detriment of your own career because you know lord knows so many bands have failed at that but she's really shown that you can not only shine at that but become bigger and better than you ever were while doing it yeah i agree wholeheartedly excellently said not only that but you know we've been talking about Haley williams a lot but the other members you know they've been on a constant whirlwind of uh, changing members and that doesn't mean that one member is the defining songwriter of a band it can right. switch over it and it become someone else and it, it doesn't have to be the defining moment of the band but it's just it can carry on the legacy and strike something new that really resonates yeah no question at all yeah we definitely don't have the paramour in the form that we do now without a lot of the tough stuff they've gone through so it's uh, it's been really fascinating to watch. It'll be fascinating to watch from now going forward. So um, props to Paramore. We're kind of having a Paramore fest at itsalldead.com. So um, <laughs> if you want to stop by the site, I mean, we've got this podcast. We've got the album review. We've got the 10-year reflection on Riot. we got another fun little piece uh, looking back on some of the best music videos from 2007. Paramore's included on that. Um, so uh, come check the site out. Um 
follow us on social media. Uh, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and uh, leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. That's going to do it for tonight. Um, Kyle, I appreciate you taking the time to chat about Paramore tonight. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it again soon. That's it uh, for tonight's podcast. Uh, we'll catch you on the flip side later. Thanks for listening to the It's All Dead podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Then visit us at itsalldead.com for the latest music news, reviews, and much more.